Jesus loves you. This morning we will see how the grace of Jesus gives believing disciples a new perspective and a new purpose for our life, our love, and for our labor. Please join me in reading Luke 24, verses 28 through 35, which will be also on the screen. Um, so they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is towards evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them, and their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road? while he opened to us the scriptures. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, the word of our Lord goes forever. Pray with me. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to see. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would ambush our hearts. Please, Lord Jesus, give us eyes to see. We pray in your name. All God's people said, amen. All right, let me tell you, I hear it all the time. Uh, people are telling me that they wish they saw something other than their struggles. They wish they had a different perspective other than their problems. That they are tired of being weighed down by the worries of life and long to see things differently. With this, I hear people say all the time, I wish I had a stronger sense of purpose. I wish that my life had more meaning. These two things, they come at me in various ways every week without fail through people I walk with, through people I have the privilege uh, of walking with. I thank you for the privilege of being able to serve at this congregation. But I long for us to move from these places of distraction, uh, discouragement, despondency, and to discover the delight of seeing through Christ. Now, I know San Antonians. San Antonians work hard to try to get this different perspective and try to find a, a different purpose. Uh, we we climb, in this city, we climb social ladders pretty well so that we can see things differently. We try to climb in social status. We try to, to climb in our vocations. We try to climb in our performance. We try to climb and, and to have a different perspective and to have a, a new purpose in different circles of friendships and, and what we do with our free time, trying to develop some passive income so that maybe our material stuff can, can give us this new sense of purpose or a new perspective. But in reality, we're still longing to see the same problems come. 
And the opportunity for us today is for to allow the Holy Spirit to give us eyes to see. Now, uh, sometimes we look pretty silly when we're trying to get a new perspective. Sometimes uh, it's dangerous. You know what this is a picture of? This is a picture of a man named Larry Walters. Of course, he's from California. Here's what he did. Yeah. This guy in 1982, there's been some copycats since then. But in 1982, he went to his local army surplus store and he bought 75, count them, 75 used weather balloons, filled them with helium, tied them to his long chair, put a seatbelt in that thing, grabbed a six pack of beer and a BB gun, no lie. He cut the rope and started flying high. His whole thinking was that he was going to enjoy the ride, kick back with some Coors Light or whatever, and when the time was right, he was going to grab his little pellet gun and start shooting him down, and slowly he would come back to the ground. Didn't happen. Lawn chair Larry, you've probably heard the story. I've heard it in a variety of capacities, uh, but it's just such a perfect illustration. One of his friends was asked, why would Larry do this? And his friend goes, well, I guess he just wanted a different perspective. <laughs> it's like, oh, you think? Yeah, right? <laughs> So what happened was Larry was discovered 16,000 feet in the air by a 747 pilot. He was passed out. And they brought him down. And when he came down, lawn chair Larry was fined $4,000 for interfering with air traffic. He was pelted with questions from the media. And when they asked him why they did it, why would you do this? He goes, well, I guess I just was tired of sitting around. All right. You see, we all want a different perspective and we want a different purpose. We're just kind of tired of sitting around. Some people don't go to the heights of the world. Some people go to the depths. You saw it here this week. Uh, this is a picture of a man named Joseph Dituri. Anybody hear this story this week? Joseph Dituri set a world record. Anybody know what it was? He lived living underwater. He has lived underwater longer than anyone ever has in history. He wanted a better perspective for his science that he's studying. Science took him to the depths of the sea and he's inside of some sort of contraption. He looks a little bit crazy and somewhat happy. <laughs> they interviewed him and you know what he said? He said, I miss the sunrise. His new perspective, the work that he has in this submarine that he's doing, that is not enough to sustain. He misses the sunrise. He couldn't stay there. How many of us can identify with lawn chair and Larry and underwater Joseph? We go to such heights to try to get a new perspective. And you know what? It's, it, we look a little bit silly. We just want to find this purpose. And we're actually probably just putting ourselves in danger or with Joseph, we go to the depths of the sea and the new perspective that we achieve, it just, it won't sustain. We need to have the sunrise. All of us share this in common, not just because we're San Antonians, but because we're humans. And humans are created to have a hunger for a perspective that only God can give us because we're created for relationship with him. The good news is that 
Jesus is near. He's drawn near. And he wants to help you see. But you have to allow yourself to stop settling for distractions and admit your need. We're going to see two points today as we walk through this passage. And the first one is simple that Jesus is the one that gives us eyes to see. Now, the context of this, you'll remember Becky preaching on it last week. It's after the resurrection, and, and, and men are walking from Jerusalem to a town called Emmaus. And this is about a 20-mile journey, and they're walking with Jesus, but they don't recognize him. They were despondent. And they were discouraged. They had heard a testimony from the women that Jesus had actually resurrected from the grave. And then other disciples had gone to validate the story and they found it just as the women had said. And yet, even though they knew that testimony, even though the disciples reinforced it, their hearts were not believing it. They were despondent and discouraged, walking with Jesus and not even recognizing him. And last week you heard that even on the journey, Jesus explained to them why that the Messiah had to suffer and die, how he had to rise again, and he used all of scriptures to explain it. They had been walking with Jesus, they heard Jesus teaching, and yet they couldn't fully see. So distracted by their despondency in their discouragement. This is where we find Jesus clearly coming into focus in the midst of struggles. They were missing their savior. And we, we have this tendency, we're looking for a savior. We're looking to really see. Uh, and I got some news for you that might bother you, but even if on June 22nd, if we draft that guy from Spain, uh, from France, Victor, what, how do you say his last name? Wimbignana. Yeah, even if we draft him, draft him, I saw a headline, the savior of San Antonio. Yeah, guess what? He won't be. We're still going to go through seasons where we wish we had someone greater. All right, the savior of saviors that demonstrates his greatness in every season wants you to see him. But first... We have to admit our need. All right. The first thing we see is that Jesus is near. Uh, you know, Jesus gives eyes to see. Jesus is near. It says they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted, that's Jesus, as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's toward evening and the day is now far spent. Jesus was with these disciples who were trapped in their despondency. I don't know why Jesus walked with them on the road and allowed them to be despondent. I don't know why he sends us through seasons where even after we've heard the truth, we've heard testimony, and we've even been around Jesus, we still struggle to believe. But somehow, Jesus is pleased to let us go through those seasons. Does he have power to eliminate the pain, to cure the despondency? Yes, he does. But if he didn't allow it for these men on the journey and then help them to see, then we wouldn't have this window of hope and opportunity to really see today. So you might be crying out, God, change my circumstances. Change this person's heart. Bring your resurrection power. I thought you were alive. And you might wonder why Jesus is waiting. We don't know. 
But he doesn't mean he's not near. He was walking right beside these disciples. They didn't even realize it. They were distracted. And some people in here, you're not, you, Jesus is near, but you're not distracted by despondency. We spend time looking at our social media. We're distracted with the, the volume of information, the, the shorts uh, that we're, we're watching, the self-promotion. Rather than sitting with Jesus, we, we're, we're more consumed with the headlines of this world than we are the headlines of heaven. Jesus has risen from the grave. We spend more time on our emails and doing work stuff than we are actually engaging the vehicles of revelation that God has given us. And when we're going through pain, oftentimes, oftentimes, I'm talking to you, we medicate with alcohol, substances, entertainment, shopping, distractions. These things we think help ease the pain. But we miss seeing Jesus who's with us. Somehow in God's amazing grace, it's not even that Jesus is near. Get this. Jesus draws near. Jesus is revealed as the one who stands at the door and knocks. Jesus is God who has come to be with us. Jesus is God who draws near to you even when you allow yourself to be distracted. Even when your heart is consumed with other things. Jesus loves you so much that he doesn't want you to be alone. Jesus is near. Jesus draws near. And Jesus' grace is what opens our eyes to see him, giving us a new perspective. Look at what the passage says. When they were at the table with them, he, he took bread. That's Jesus. He blessed it. He broke it. He gave it to them. Listen. And their eyes were opened. You see, our perspective gets polluted by the perceived problems of our life, and we don't see the person of Jesus. But because Jesus is near and Jesus draws near, it's his grace that helps us see. Their eyes were open. It's a divine passive. That means the disciples didn't do anything. They were just near Jesus, and God touched their heart. Their eyes were opened. A divine passive is what gospel writers use to illustrate how God himself moves in the hearts of people to see his miracles, to hear his message, to know him as a person, as Lord and Savior, something more than fully human, which is what he was, fully God, which is what he was. It's God that acts on our hearts to help us see. It's God that moves us from death to life. It's God that takes the heart of stone and gives us the heart of flesh. It's God that puts a new spirit within us. It's God that shows his love and makes it so you can know his love. So Mitchell, what's the application? Shouldn't I try harder to see? No. Admit your need. Admit your need. Allow yourself to feel the emptiness, the fruitlessness of all the ways you've tried to climb high to get a new perspective other than your problems and your pain. Allow yourself to be honest with how deep your discouragement is. You've, gone, you've tried to get a new perspective, but dadgummit, I need the sun to rise. Be honest with your need and come to Jesus. They're right there with him at table. 
fellowshipping with him. And in that proximity, God moves them from despondency and difficulty to delight in him. What we see really matters. Earlier this week, you might have seen this news story, this picture here. Uh, It was in The Guardian and then shared broadly. But in Japan, they've been wearing masks now for almost three years. Can you imagine that? It's a lot of time to wear masks. And the article was actually about a new field that is coming in their economy. You know what it is? Smile coaches. It's true. That people have been wearing masks for so long, they have lost the confidence to smile. And so there's a whole market of people that are trying to encourage people to practice smiling, to help them smile. You don't believe me? Google it. It's got to be true if it's in Google. Yeah, it was in The Guardian. It's unbelievable to me to learn to smile. But here's what it shows. It shows that when we have lost our joy because we're so focused on our difficulties, you need to admit your need. You need more than a smiling coach. You need God to touch your heart and help you see. When you've lost your light because things are so dark or your number one resource for restoration is some sort of legal intervention so that you can get what's yours and it just deepens your discouragement and your frustration and you wonder where's the light? You have need for Jesus to touch your heart to help you see When your joy is gone because of all of the jostling, when you're marked more by despair than delight and hope, you need to see. You see, if you go back in verse 21, if you look in your passage, uh, when the disciples are stuck in their despondency, they're talking to Jesus, resurrected Jesus. They can't see him. They're close to him. They had heard the testimony, but they were still despondent. And they said, we had hoped that he was the one that would restore Israel. We had hoped this. I mean, they're walking with Jesus. And I know you can identify. We had hoped. I had hoped that I wouldn't still be single by now. I had hoped that my marriage would be better than this. I had hoped that by now we'd be more financially secure. I had hoped that I wouldn't be this lonely and that I'd have real relationships. I had hoped that my family wouldn't be this dysfunctional. I had hoped that I would have a different perspective at this time of my life and and a real sense of purpose. You see, we can identify with these disciples who are walking with Jesus and completely missing him because they're trapped in their circumstances. Jesus comes and he wants to help you see. And when we do, it's like this quote from C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis gave a quote from uh, the Oxford Socratic Club called Is Theology Poetry? Um, I've never read that, but this is where the quote comes from. He says, I believe in Christianity as I believe the sun has risen, not because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. When Jesus actually, all of these ways you're struggling to try to cope and and survive, uh, to get a new perspective and to find a new purpose, the truth is only when 
Jesus touches your heart. And then by that, we see everything else how we long to. And this is the second point. It's it's a new perspective that we get, that the promises that are proven true when you really see that Jesus loves you and that he's with you, that he's not only near you, he's drawn near to you and his grace opens your eyes. Look at these verses in 31 and 35. Their eyes were open and they recognized him. Gosh, man, I pray that for you all. I have prayed so hard for you. So many people in here. You have gone to church You can answer the questions. You've heard the testimony, but you're not recognizing Jesus. Man, I pray that the Holy Spirit opens your eyes, that you really see Jesus, that he allows that. But after they recognize him, I pray that for myself, by the way. I'm not throwing stones. My heart has been hungering for that, for you all as I've prepared for this week. Their eyes were open. They recognized him, and Jesus vanished from their sight. I bet that was pretty cool. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened the scriptures? Listen, they rose that same hour and they returned to Jerusalem. They found the 11, they were gathered together and they said, the Lord has risen indeed. You see, when their eyes fully see, when they recognize Jesus, they have this whole new purpose a delight. And notice what they do. First, they look back. Didn't we see God working beforehand when we were on the road and he taught us? Didn't we feel our hearts burning inside of us? This is what happens when you really recognize Jesus. You look back and you're like, man, he was with me the whole time. I remember that difficult time. He was actually right there with me and he was working in my heart so I can see it's unbelievable. We look back, but then they look forward. That very hour, they didn't wait. That very hour, they giddy up and got going. That very hour, I don't know if they finished dinner. That very hour, the urgency to go back and to tell, we've seen him. We've seen him. We've seen him resurrected. He is risen indeed. I I can't help but to think of the the, uh, woman at the well In John chapter four, you remember her story? She was at the well, middle of the day, all alone, isolated from her village because of her shame. She was a woman who had, was living with a man who was not her husband. And the men that she had, five men she'd had before that were no longer her husband. Defined by her shame, she meets Jesus, she fully sees, and by the way, there's a divine passive in that story because Jesus had to go into Jerusalem, this divine necessity to meet people in their despondency so that they can fully see him. And Jesus saw her and loved her, and what did she do? She felt the urgency. She recognized Jesus as the Messiah. She dropped all the way she was coping, (laughs) She dropped him in the moment and she went back to her village. And you know what her testimony was? Come meet this man. He told me everything I've ever done. That's a crazy testimony. He knows, fully knows my shame, fully knows my manipulation, fully knows my, uh, the ways that I've coped with life that have been humiliating to me and my family. He knows it all and he still loves me. He still loves me. I'm telling you what? There's, there's power in that love. 
But that's what the disciples felt. They had to go tell the disciple, the 11 that were hidden. And they came. Now, when you all go on your mission trip, you're going to have all kinds of opportunity. You are going to see Jesus in completely new and fresh ways. When you go to the DR, you're going to see Jesus in completely new and fresh ways. And we hope that you have something ignited in you when you recognize him down there, that you want to come back and tell us all about him. In fact, we hope that all of us not only go overseas on trips, but that we're on mission in our workplaces, in our schools, in our neighborhoods, and we're seeing Jesus in fresh ways. He's the one, he's the God that says what you've done to the least of these, you've done unto me. So there's a reality that we recognize and see Jesus in a whole new and fresh way when we serve the poor. And you don't have to go, we're glad you're going to Mexico in the DR, we love it. But if you want to help orphans through the South Texas Alliance for Orphans, we have a care portal and you can just help participate and love on kids. Uh, come to the informational meeting to learn how on June 4th. Subtle plug. You like that? I do? Okay. I've been told I can't make a whole lot of announcements up here, so I've got to work them in. Here's the point. We hope that you all on your mission trips and our mission on this trip of life that we're in San Antonio gives us an urgency to share. But I want to I drill in a little bit. I need your permission. Do I have your permission to meddle some in our application? Look, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to challenge you. Just praying through how can we get this burden of really having this new perspective that fuels a new purpose. And I, I think that you, you want to know if you've really seen Jesus, consider the places where you need to return. All right? If you've really seen Jesus, then you have a new purpose in these areas. Are you ready? Estranged family members and friends. Estranged family members and friends. If you've really recognized Jesus and we move towards them with grace, love, forgiveness, and we do what we can to show the grace, love, and forgiveness we've known in Christ. That means we don't come like this. We come like this. Or how about spouses in marriage? If you've really recognized and seen Jesus, then your spouse is not a problem that you have to fix. Your spouse is a person that you get to love and to serve. How many marriages are in a tailspin because it's the other person's fault. The other person won't change. The other person won't do this. When we recognize Jesus, then we're eager not to condemn and to fix, but to serve and to love. What about your shame? You failed in ways you never thought you would. You've looked at things you never thought you'd looked at. You've done things you never dreamed that you would do. You've thought things. You've been places. And the temptation is for that sin and shame to define you. But when you really recognize Jesus and you really see his grace and love, you know what you experience? Power. Power. Hearing that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Am I there? Am I there in a place that makes you uncomfortable in forcing you to, to ask yourself, have you been honest with your need 
to really see Jesus. In case I'm not, I want to go a little bit further. Your places of pain that you think disqualify you, you've been sinned against, or struggles that you've had that have hurt yourself and others, when you really recognize Jesus and see him, those places that formerly fueled worst ways of your life are redeemed and redirected, and they're used as a tool in God's hands. You hear me say it a lot. What was your enemy in the gospel is a tool that Jesus uses. Okay, one more. How do you look at people of a different political persuasion? When you really recognize Jesus, when you really see him, is there any room for you to throw stones in judgment just because someone sees something different than you do, that you villainize them? Is, that, is there even place when we know the love of God for that? Shouldn't we treat people, even when they're a political enemy, as someone with dignity? Aren't we, when we really see Jesus exposed to a higher loyalty, that we're citizens of heaven first and foremost? So we lean in with love to everyone God puts. You see here, okay? So this, this new perspective that we get gives us a new purpose. It transforms everything from your marriage to how you lead to how you live on your campuses, for what you do in your free time, for how you use your money, for how you consume media, how you allow that media to consume you and how it shapes you in all of our relationships, in our family, our friendships, our church family, and even in our society in San Antonio. The perspective that you long to have, you're not going to find no matter if you can go 16,000 feet in the air or live in the depths of the sea. You have to have something greater, and that is the heights of God's love that is so high, there is no 747 pilot that's going to see the heights of it. Even the web telescope's not going to see the depths of it. God's love for you is so great, it's beyond our comprehension. It's so deep, it goes deeper than any struggle, any sin that's happened to you or you've participated in. God's love for you has no boundaries, not even in time. It's eternal. It has no beginning. And that means that when you're in Christ's love, it cannot end. So you're free to come out of hiding. You're free to have his perspective. And wherever he's stirring you, and I know he's stirring you, to go with confidence, to drop the ways you've been manipulating, to drop the ways you've been deceiving and medicating yourself, to drop them and to take up the privilege it is to live a renewed, resurrected life. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your power. We long to have more of you in our life and our hearts, to see our need and to look to you. And so we ask, Lord God, that you would help us look to you and that your Holy Spirit would give us eyes to see. We pray this in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Let's stand together and sing, respond to God's word.
uh, singing these songs together. <laughs>